Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. The Seattle Seahawks lost their first game down in SoFi Stadium, losing 23-16 to to the Rams. Not a good way to get through Week 10 when the Arizona Cardinals win last second. They lose to the Rams. Uh, the only good news, I guess, is that the 49ers lost, but maybe that's not good news after all. We'll get into all that stuff, and I'm bringing on John P. Gilbert of Field Goals to talk about it. John, it was not the best week, to say the least. No, not at all. Yo, great to be here to be discussing the Seahawks with you. Uh, unfortunately, the circumstances are not following a win, but uh, hey, at least we got football, which uh, was, I think, the last time I was on the show, I was, I was not expecting that. So at least we have that going for us. That's true. That That is probably the one high point that you can say is at least football is, uh, at least we have that to, to watch every week. But it's not been a good month. For the Seahawks, John, I know a few weeks ago, the Seahawks were going into their bye week. They were five and oh, things were looking great. But I think we all knew that going into the next five game stretch, that they were kind of hitting the, the strongest part of their schedule. And now four games later, they're one and three and going into another difficult Thursday night game against the Arizona Cardinals. No, absolutely. I mean, this was the heart of the schedule. People had this five game stretch circled before the season began and it's it's proved to be you know what will be the hardest stretch of the schedule we'll see how thursday goes uh, i mean thursday against the cardinals has doesn't bring back good memories for uh, a lot of different reasons uh, but hopefully hopefully they'll get things turned around on thursday and then they have a you know a, a nice runway of some easy NFC East and AFC East opponents afterwards that should make things a, a little bit prettier when it comes to the record. Yeah, and I do want to get into that, but let's go ahead and start with this Rams recap. Early on in this game, it uh, it was starting to look fairly good for the Seahawks. You know, they they took their opening drive down for a score. They were up 7-3, to three, but that was the last time that the Seahawks would lead in this game, and... Some people might point to the second half and say, oh, well, the defense did their job. They only held their Rams to six points in the second half. Where do you put this loss on the team? Is it turnovers? Is it on the defense despite only giving up six points in the second half? Is it coaching decisions? Where are you leaning toward with this? You know, there's blame to go around everywhere this week. I think, you know, it's a combination of the coaching decisions, the you know, the fourth down after challenging the spot and burning a timeout with the lost challenge. It's the offense not coming up with the score after a turnover deep in Rams territory, Russ tossing the interception. It's the offense turning it over three times. It's the defense, you know, they, like you say, they did only give up 26 points in the game, but a lot of those points were in the first half and they dug themselves a hole and, you know, without the running game, without the ability to move the ball on the ground, that the, with injured running backs or new running backs on the roster. It's just it, Seattle became one dimensional in the second half and Russ took a beating. You point to the fourth down. And I think that's where a lot of fans go because it was kind of symbolic. I think in that, you know, they had an opportunity after halftime. And I feel like every single Seahawks fan in that situation was saying, go for it. Because to that point, I think we all knew what the inevitable was is that if they punted away, then the Rams were going to drive down and score on that possession. So why not, you know, even if you do miss on that fourth down, because listening to Pete Carroll after the game and the, in the postgame press conference, he was saying that he didn't want a turnover in that situation, but the defense hadn't shown us anything to that point that they were going to, that they were going to get a stop anyway. So why not just not make them go the entire length of the field and, and take the chance? The, 
because fourth and inches, you should be able to make that. No, absolutely. And I think the most frustrating part about it is, you know, okay, you've got Russell Wilson, a surefire future Hall of Famer at quarterback. And okay, it's fourth and short. Maybe you don't want to throw the ball, you know, because there's been bad experiences on fourth and one throwing the ball against the Saints last year and earlier this year. Okay, great run the ball. You've got an offensive line that is designed for this purpose. You've got maulers at the guard spots. You've got quality at tackle on both sides like the team hasn't had in a long time. And we need six inches or a foot or whatever it was. Just go for it. You know, and it's it's kind of that, you know, we get back to, you know, in 2018 and 2019, it was the identity, identity, identity. Well, you don't have to have the identity to have five massive blockers up front, even with a backup at center, Kyle Fuller is not a small gentleman. You've got Lewis on one side, you potty on the other, you know, move some people and get the first down. And if, if you can't knock guys off the ball, a foot or a foot and a half, like you need to on fourth down, maybe you don't deserve to get the first down. You know, I mean, you want to play a physical brand of football. Okay. Bring some physicality. Don't punt it away. And they had that opportunity to play that physical style of football. And really, they didn't even need to be that physical. We've seen Russell Wilson now do the quarterback sneak. He did it here just last week recently. So why not run the quarterback sneak in that situation or, you know, even even just pound the football there? It, it's six inches. And you've seen what the defense has been doing to that point. It uh, it was just probably one of the biggest frustrating points in the game, just watching him out there trying to get the offside, trying to draw the defense offsides in that situation, especially after challenging it. I, I kind of thought, hey, if Pete Carroll's just challenging it to throw it out there, to give them time to put together an offensive call on, on what they're going to do on fourth and inches, then OK, then it was worth, you know, challenging it just to use it as a de facto timeout. But then to come out there and end up taking a delay a game, I one thing I was glad about, John, is that they didn't double down and then take a second timeout. That would have yeah, been take a disastrous. second timeout. Yeah, <laughs> that was my worry as well. And I, you know, I'm right there with you. It's like, okay, you don't, you never want to give away the timeout in a situation in a game that you, you know, losing and you know, worried about the performance of the defense, um, especially against a division opponent. But it's it's at least justifiable. Okay, let's challenge. We'll see how long it takes. We'll make them review it. You you could potentially end up with more time than you would had you just taken a straight timeout. And then to come out of it and to have blown the timeout and to have blown a challenge that you're then sitting there with like, oh, hey, look, they tried to run the fake offsides play. I mean, it's, you know, the Rams obviously were expecting that. They were not shocked. And then to, you know, to just punt it back to the Rams. I know you mentioned earlier that, oh, we didn't want to turn it over, but a punt is a turnover. You're giving the ball away. Yes, you have a little bit more control over where the opponent gets the ball, but it is still giving the opponent the ball. And Joe Fan of NBC Sports Northwest, you know, his analysis of it on Twitter was that Pete Carroll basically made that decision while analyzing for the worst case scenario on offense as opposed to best case scenario on defense, which for this year, for the 2020 Seahawks, is is basically the opposite of how that should be, that analysis should be performed. And so it just, everything altogether, it's, it's just frustrating. Well, and I thought Joe put it to Pete pretty well in questioning him after the game too. He said, why are you, uh, why, why take the perspective of 
being pessimistic with the offense that has essentially been one of the top offenses in the league this year, and yet you're comfortable turning the ball over to the defense, giving the defense the benefit of the doubt that they can make a stop after punting the ball away. No, absolutely. You know, it's like you're you're playing the game, you're coaching the game and decision-making as if you still have the Legion of Boom together. This is the 2013 or 2014 Seahawks. And that is, as we all know, that is not the case. It is the opposite of the case. The decision-making there, like I said, I can, I can understand the challenge. I can understand the timeout. I don't necessarily like them. But to, to rely on the defense, to rely on a defense that has shown absolutely next to nothing this season, in particular over the last three games in, heading into today, it's just mind-boggling. And the defense through the first half, I counted two wins. Two wins by the defense, and one was holding them to a field goal on their very first drive because you know they got down there, they got to third and four, Puna Ford had some nice pressure. They they wind up holding them to a field goal in that situation. I thought, okay, well, at least they didn't give up the touchdown. Then the offense comes back. Alex Collins has a nice run in for the touchdown. But then on back-to-back drives, uh, the Rams able to put touchdowns up on the board. Russell Wilson throws it away on a, on a second and 10 that turns into a third and 21 because it's called intentional grounding. He's in the pocket and throwing it you know, to the sideline to absolutely nobody. Just the little mistakes like those that can turn a game quickly. I mean, even after that, I, I know we're going to get into some more of this, but um, but even after those couple plays, it, it just it seemed like an off day for us. It did. And I, I was discussing this with some other people. He just he didn't seem to be on. He didn't seem to. A lot of his balls were sailing. A lot of his passes were just off just out of the reach of the receivers. And it was, it's almost, it make, does make me worry about whether he's hiding some kind of injury. Is he battling through something, whether it's, you know, just a little shoulder tweak, a bruise, something that, you know, maybe something isn't quite right. And it's, it's distracting him. And then it, that might be in his head. And he, he seems to be playing way more hesitant, way more tentative. And just, he's not the same rust we saw the first month of the season. There's definitely more to talk about here, including what came before that fourth down call that was in the second half. I think this is a big part of where the game hinged upon and it happened in the first half. We're going to talk about that coming up next. Talking to John P. Gilbert of Field Goals and getting into the Rams loss this week. And Russell Wilson in the first half, I want to go to this particular turning point in the game because with the Seahawks down 17-10, the Rams with the ball and Jamal Adams comes off the edge, gets the sack fumble. It's recovered by DJ Reed. And now the Seahawks are in position to, you know, with a short field to get a touchdown and tie this game up and, and really make it a game. But Russell Wilson, he, he breaks out of the pocket looks downfield. He has a wide open field ahead of him, but he sees Will Disley kind of sneak out on the route. It it looked like this was probably the way the play was designed to get Will Disley open. But by the time Russell gets out of the pocket and the play develops, uh, he's throwing across his body all the way over to the other side of the field. And the Rams defensive player has plenty of time to jump the route and get the turnover. And I, I really thought that that was the moment 
where one you say to Russ, I mean, they're they're in that two minute style offense. You don't want to give the Rams the ball back ahead of the um, give the ball back ahead of the second half. And you have the opportunity to get a touchdown. Just take the yards, get the first down, run the clock out a little bit more and then get the touchdown and hopefully not leave the Rams with any time on the clock. And he makes the worst possible decision and turns the ball over. Yeah, absolutely agree. You know, I mean, basically everything that I would have said, you just said it, it was the worst possible decision. It was, you know, I mean, it reminded me uh, of, you know, the Brett Favre interception that prevented the Vikings from going to the Super Bowl against the Saints, you know, 10 years ago. And it was just it was one of those situations. He had a wide open field in front of him. He had the first down in front of him. Like you say, that lets the clock burn. They they weren't in a situation where they needed to score quickly. They were in a situation where they did want to use the clock because if they could burn the clock and leave the Rams with not enough time to go down the field and do anything, then it would be the Seahawks getting the ball to start the second half. So even if they say they end the first half on a field goal, say they end the first half on a touchdown, whatever it is, they've got the ball coming back on the next possession to open the third quarter there's the opportunity to retake that lead that they haven't had since the first quarter. And instead it was just, you know, the, the, like you say, the exact opposite of what they needed and what Russ should have done. Fortunately, the defense is able to bail out Russ in that situation. They get the stop. They are able to get into position to where Jason Myers kicked a 61 yard field goal for the franchise record going into halftime. Uh, and it, I, it was an impressive kick. You know, I, I was kind of laughing at it, thinking other, you know, a 61 yarder, a little bit above sea level. Let's yeah, good luck here. I had fears of the flashbacks to 2013 when they were trying a long field goal before the half against the Colts and they got blocked and returned for a touchdown. And then here comes Myers puts it, you know, right square down the middle, you know, with about a foot and a half to spare, but he made it. And, like I said, that's at sea level, so that's impressive. He's not doing that 61-yarder in Denver or Vegas or Arizona at elevation. So Yeah, it was a, it was a big-time kick. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Myers was the only one that would score after that as well, getting the final field goal in the fourth quarter. That was the only points that they put up in the second half. Yeah, and it, I mean, that second half was, uh, that was rough, but that was ugly. So, uh, oof is all I have to say about that. Unfortunately, in the second half, you had two more turnovers. One was a third and eight. It was a low snap. And it was right after the play, too, where Russ threw a nice deep pass, just went off Metcalf's fingertips. And gosh, you could see this game going a totally different way. If if Metcalf is just able to get that catch, get him down near the goal line, maybe he scores on that play. I don't know. But um, instead, the very next snap, it's that the, the low one by backup center Kyle Fuller. And I'm kind of curious about what you think, John, about the defense in the second half. Do you give them much credit or do you think it's more of the Rams trying to play conservatively after Andrew Whitworth went down in the first half, just not trying to do anything that would end up being, you know, creating a turnover worthy play for Jared Goff? I think it's a combination of the two. I think the defense stepped up and played a lot better. I mean, because it wasn't just the second half that we saw that. I mean, you know, they did. The Rams scored a touchdown and went ahead with 619 in the second quarter. But after that, they that was, you know, the Rams fumbled, then they punted, then then they got the touchdown on the first possession of the second half. But after that, it was punt, punt, punt. 
and then finally on the last possession was kneel down. So I, I don't think it was all the Rams going into a shell because they were trying to move the ball still. There was a little bit of luck. They had Goff just barely overthrew uh, the tight end deep on the, the pass there before the half that got Seattle the ball back, put them in position to get Myers down for that field goal. But it's, you know, the, the defense played a lot better in the second half, it felt like. And, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe it was Whitworth being out. Maybe it was them, you know, going to a simplified offense or not looking to get Goff lit up by a blitz from the an unfamiliar left tackle who's, you know, playing in that position, moving over from guard to play that position. So it's just a, it was definitely a better performance in the second half. I felt better watching the second half. I didn't feel great about watching the offense at all in the second half, but the defense, the defense at least showed some stuff in the second half that, that gave me hope going forward. Yeah. Looking at the third down stops in this game, the Rams finishing nine of 15. And I bet that number was probably closer to nine of 11 to start the, the second half because it just did not seem like the Seahawks defense could get a stop. Uh, fortunately, they were able to turn things around there. Looking at some of the other stats, one thing that jumps at, out at me with the stat line, John, is that Aaron Donald, zero tackles, zero sacks. And I, he obviously made his his presence felt on the field because he, I'm sure he came away with some pressures. He did have two quarterback hits on the day. But uh, yeah, no sacks, no tackles. It was a little bit surprising to see that, I suppose. No, I, I agree. Um, but I don't know. I wonder how much of it was Donald as a decoy because Leonard Floyd absolutely had a field day. Yeah. Uh, you know, he had five tackles, he had three sacks, he had five quarterback hits. You know, he, those, I mean, the sacks and the quarterback hits are both career highs for him as a And I think he was the one on the fumble recovery too with uh, the low snap. Yes, he was. While Donald didn't compile the sacks, it was Brockers who had one, Terrell Lewis. Uh, who had two, so they end up with six sacks on the day. It was uh, it, they definitely pressured Russell Wilson well, and I don't know. I'm curious where you're at with Russ after this game, John. He just seems a little bit off. You know, I don't know if it's an injury. I don't know if you had told me that he was playing this game concussed, um, especially in the second half. I would have 100 percent believed you. It's just, and it's he's been a little bit off the last couple games, and maybe it's. Maybe he's seeing too much pressure. Maybe he's getting beat up too much. Maybe he's taking too many hits because he has taken a lot of punishment already this year. Um, but it's just, he's appeared completely different than he was the first, you know, before the bye week and whether, you know, the Cardinals game did something to him with the, the simulated pressure and the, the picks that he threw, or if it's something else going on, whether some kind of injury, it, it's he seems almost like a different player and he seems far more hesitant, far more uncertain uh, than he did just a month ago. And it feels like he is trying to do a little too much. I, In some ways, I would almost like to see Russ be more patient and take some of those. Now, not the patience in the sense that I, I felt like with three minutes to go in the game that they were content <laughs> with digging and dunking down the field. But why not do some of that you know, earlier on in the game? No, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, it, it's part of it felt like I was watching the 2017 team again at times where it's Russ trying to do everything, trying to just throw the team on his back because he knows there's not a running game or he knows there are issues that he's got to overcompensate for. And and I agree and 100 percent agree. I mean, I was losing my mind when they were they were showing almost no urgency whatsoever 
uh, on that last drive, specifically when you, they Russ had a couple of scrambles in a row and they just the clock just kept running and running and running and they were taking forever it seemed to line up and I was. I mean, I just wanted to throw stuff at the screen because I'm like, oh, God, let's go. Come on. You know, I know you're tired. I know it's the end of the day, but come on. And it was, it was frustrating. It was frustrating. They end up uh, with another turnover, just trying to throw a third down out to Greg Olson to pick up the first down, came after a third and four delay a game. And yeah, at that point, that third turnover by the team, it, it really seemed to to seal the deal for the Seahawks in this game. Yeah, it was at that point, it was kind of because while while they had the ball on that possession prior to the turnover, they were down 23-13, you know, they were driving around midfield. Okay, great. You know, there's... Yeah, you had Metcalf with that catch that they ended up having to challenge, which blew the rest of their challenges for the day because the earlier challenge, uh, you had the nice Russell highlight play, the little pirouette that he ended up throwing to Will Disley. So we did see some Russell Wilson things there. And then I... I guess with that turnover, I wasn't as upset because that was just, I think, the defender making a great play on on the ball there. No, and I agree. I think the defender made a great play. That's a, It was a fantastic defensive play there. The frustrating part for that, for me anyway, for that turnover was that it came after a delay of game. Right. So, you know, what would have been a third and four, which they, that's an offense that, you know, even if you don't pick up the third down, you know, it's seven and a half minutes to go in the game at the opponent 38 yard line you know let's go ahead and let's let's take a shot let's go ahead and you know sling it what's what's oh yeah i think if russ doesn't turn it over in that situation and they end up going short on that third down i think they absolutely would go for it being down 10 in that position yeah i agree and that's you know that's the frustrating part for for me on that one because it it shouldn't have been third and nine and how many times have we seen not just this year where it's a delay of game penalty yeah you know you all the way back to week 17 last year when it's goal to go for the with the nfc west on the line against the 49ers and it's delay of game it's you know it's just it's the same mistakes over and over and over from this team it seems like every time it just seems to be more and more frustrating over and over and coming at the worst possible time and a lot of Things coming at the worst time this weekend, John, as we look at the schedule in the NFL and the Seahawks taking the loss this week with the Arizona Cardinals getting the win with the Rams getting the win, the New Orleans Saints winning this weekend. It uh, it drops the Seahawks from where they would have been, I think, in the second seed coming into week 10 now down to what the seventh seed. Correct. They are. I mean, and assume assuming that everything goes well for the remainder of the season. And there are only seven playoff teams from the NFC. They would be the number seven seed heading to take on the number two seed uh, at this point in the division in the wild card round. That just seems I, there's a lot of season left to play. And, and like we pointed out, the schedule opens up uh, pretty well after the Arizona Cardinals on Thursday night football. But I think also you were looking at this stretch of the season as kind of a measuring stick for this Seahawks team, for this defense, because I don't want to see how they perform against the Eagles, Giants, Jets, Washington, and then, you know, have that kind of false sense of, okay, this Seahawks defense is is back because they've held these teams under 20 points or whatever, and maybe they aren't the league's worst in yards given up after that stretch. But then you're going and you're facing the Rams once again. And and that's probably your last opportunity 
until you get into the playoffs of playing up against a playoff caliber team. A hundred percent agreed because after the Cardinals come into town on Thursday and then, you know, sure there are six games left on the schedule, but five of those games are against teams that are just not, that are below 500 and are not very good. They're not teams that strike fear into anyone. So I don't think it's any risk that the Seahawks aren't going to win double digit games. I don't think it's a risk that the Seahawks, you know, are at risk of missing the postseason with a, you know, a, a six game stretch to end the year where it's Eagles, Giants, Jets, Washington, Rams, and 49ers, because I think there's, you know, what most fans will assume are going to be almost five, almost automatic wins in that stretch. But it's also, it's like you say, it's frustrating. It's, they might as well be preseason games. You know, nobody cares what, what happens when Florida state plays Northwest, nobody state university to open the season. It doesn't matter. Um, and that's kind of the way that, the Seahawks schedule is going to play out. You know, we, we had the heart of the schedule. That's what we're in the middle of right or towards the end of right now. And that, you know, that, that crucible, that test of the team has, they've failed it miserably. Well, if there is any hope that is that this defense and the offense can gain some confidence then going into the postseason, because you listen to Pete Carroll after this game, you listen to Russell Wilson and even Jamal Adams, you know, hearing their post-game press conferences, they sounded beat down after this loss. Yeah, it's it, and it, it was even a couple of the reporters, you know, they were covering the game noted that while in game, Russ almost looked down on the sideline at times, you know, not not that he wasn't into it, not that he wasn't concerned, but it's just a they just he looked dejected. He looked, you know, like he had lost already at points during the second half. And that's, you know, that's not a look that we see from Russell ever. That's not he's always Mr. Optimistic. He's always up and, you know, jumping up and down and excited and getting his teammates pumped up and getting them ready for the comeback. And he, you know, he bounced back. He came back and they, you know, they noted that he was okay. Yeah. Russ is up. He's jumping around. He's getting his teammates worked up. He's excited. Uh, but just to see that for that, even for that, you know, moment in time where Russ is okay. Did they break Russ? What happened? What's going on? You know, if, when the leader of the team, the guy who is behind a huge portion of the success that this team has had over the past decade, when, when he's not there, then you've got a question, okay, what's going on? What's up now? And it, that, that is concerning. He's John P. Gilbert of Field Goals. Lots to talk about coming up this week, leading up toward that Thursday night game against the Arizona Cardinals. John, what are you going to be looking at this week? You know, it's just going back and watching the tape and seeing, you know, were, were things better than we anticipated? Were they worse? Um, you know, because at least Goff didn't go off for three or 400 yards. He didn't have the type of game like he has had against the Seahawks in the past, particularly week five last year, where he just lit up the defense, did whatever he wanted. Um, you know, the, the defense did constrain things a little, see how they did play. But at the same time, it's, you know, the Arizona Cardinals come into town and they have that offense that can put points on the board and move the ball all over the field. And they you know, they've got the young plucky quarterback who never gives up as we saw from that hail Mary to win the game and take the division lead this week. So it's, it's going to be a fun game on Thursday, but they, I fear that the outcome may once again, leave me uh, wanting for more or wanting something different to have come to pass. Yeah. Giving up 302 yards to golf on the day. It, uh, it does, feel like somewhat of a win for this defense after what we've seen so far this season. But yet now they're going back and facing Kyler Murray again, a guy who is very mobile and they've struggled with mobile quarterbacks to this point in the season. So 
Seahawks are going to have some work cut out for them this week coming up. Be sure and get your ins and outs in. We're going to be talking to Clinton Bonner on Tuesday. Try and get those in by Monday morning. Use the hashtag 3i30 at Clinton Bond. Tweet at him. And uh, we'll be back talking three in, three out on Tuesday. And until then, go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs>